You're listening to Faith FM Tech Talk with Robin Tristan. Today's episode is brought to you by RefBox. RefBox, keep your kids in bounds. Good day, everybody. Today we're doing our follow-up to part one of the Working From Home series. We talked about data entry, which was one of the big ones. We talked about the medical billing. We talked about Partwork, the piecework scam where they get you to buy their machine and then they never buy the products from you when you make them. If you didn't get a chance to hear it, then we would suggest you consider going online and checking out the last episode. For this episode, we're actually going to turn our focus to legitimate ways you could work from home in the online environment. So this one is a happier, friendlier, possibly more profitable version of the last show. More optimistic, yeah. So part one was all about different things you might see online and what looks like legitimate ads even. And you said yourself you had some experience with some of them. And they all seem to have a common theme, which is basically invest X amount of money and then you'll make your return. And that's essentially why it's a scam because they just take whatever that initial investment was and then you don't ever see any return or a minimal amount. So today's episode, like you said, is more about successful work from home strategies. So things you could do from your home and make some extra money with or work with at least. Correct. There's actually a multitude of different ways to make money online, but all of them require work. And that's just a sad reality. So I've sort of just honed in on five of them to kind of go through things that you could easily start even today and start building your way up towards potentially making an income from it. That seems to be the best way to go about it for me. There's a bunch in there that we won't cover, and if you have questions about them, tweet them to us, and we'd be happy to put them into another episode. So I'm just looking at the ones you've listed here, and the first one you have is blogging. I personally don't have as much experience about blogging, although I do get a lot of people come to me saying, you should put that into an article and (laughs) and get the word out. But you've certainly been blogging for some time, and you've had some of your articles picked up. So talk a little bit about blogging. I know a lot of people that are interested in doing it. They think they have a lot of interesting ideas or want to interact with the community abroad. And if they can make money at it, even better. So the best thing for a blog is that you just write about what you care about or what you know. Blogs that fail tend to be things where someone goes, hey, I hear people in accounting make lots of money, so I'm going to write a blog about accounting, and then I'm going to try to convince QuickBooks to advertise on it. If you don't know what you're writing about, it sounds robotic. There's no voice in your work. So blogging is, you know, are you a gardener or are you someone who comes up with interesting ways to use jars at home, any of those things? Bakers, I've heard of a lot of people that like baking or cooking or things like that. They love to try to get Oh, their experiences out there. It, recipes is one of the top search terms on Google. It's way up there. There's so much volume on it. So if you're someone who's into baking, that's a great opportunity too. So we'll kind of go through the route. So to get a blog online, there are free places you can place blogs. But if you're going to do that, that means that you don't intend to actually make any money from your blog. So the way I'm going to recommend it today is that you actually build your own, that you host yourself. There's going to be a couple terms in there that maybe I'll rely on Tristan to kind of clarify as we go through. There are a couple of sites you could use right off the bat. Squaresoft comes to mind. Just to be clear, we're not actually being sponsored by any of the companies I'm probably going to name today, aside from Refbox. These are just all free pushes. We're not actually being paid for those. Squaresoft actually offers a drag and drop web building platform. I'm not 100% sure how good it is for your search engine ranking. I actually was planning to do some testing on that. But that is a place where you can go and pay about $9 a month and build a fairly elaborate website. Can you define hosting? I'm not good at trying to clarify that. Basically, I mean, everybody has a website, right? So we have, say, the RobinTristanShow.com. And so you need to first 
come up with a website that's unique or a name that is not taken because obviously there can only be one in the world and you need to register that or purchase it. And typically it's on an annual basis and you can buy it in one year or five year, 10 year packages or whatever you want. And you have to go to a registrar to do that. GoDaddy is one of the more popular ones. There's certainly others out there. So the first step is you have to get the domain. Once you have the domain, you have to actually have a web server that serves that domain. And so that's the hosting part of it. And there are hosters everywhere. I mean, you just Google host a website and you'll get, you know, a million hosting companies. I admit I use GoDaddy. I've used them for probably nine years. And I like the ease of being able to just grab a server and then install the WordPress application right on the server and run with it. Let's talk about WordPress because you and I have very different opinions about WordPress. <laughs> but for those that maybe don't have a background on it, I'll let you explain it. Sure. WordPress is essentially a content management platform. It's a very cleanly coded format that search engines love. They can read the whole site easily. It actually originated for blogs. Almost all of the versions of WordPress were built initially with the intention of making the blog process easier for bloggers. Nowadays, WordPress, because it ranks so well, it gets used for a lot of business sites too. And I think where Tristan may occasionally have some issues is that he may or may not find that sometimes it's an annoying thing to build business sites out of it. Is that accurate? So I find it quite annoying. And the reason why I find it annoying is because I'm technical and I know what I want to do with the website. And I feel like I have to have a boxing match with WordPress to make it do what I want to do. However, that is the con. That is, I'm very technical and I find it difficult to work with. But the pros are, and certainly for the audience, especially if you want to do blogging, because you said like that's what it was born out of. That's what it was born to do is blog. And the other thing that it's very, very good at is you rank, right? And so yeah. by ranking, you mean if you search recipes and you have a blog about recipes and it's hosted by WordPress, you have a much better chance of getting found on the first or second page based off your content than if you were using another content management system. Yeah, and if you don't want this thing to do backflips, you just want a nice site. WordPress is one of the easiest types of sites to work within. The admin background is about as difficult as Office Word. One of the other great parts of WordPress is there's hundreds of thousands of pre-built apps that you can just install right into your website, and they're free. Almost anything you can probably think of, somebody's already built an app for it for WordPress. So, And by app, I mean, yeah, you really install it and then drag and drop whatever the content is that you want, and then boom, now you have a blog with a map in the middle of it, right? And like you said, it's not much more difficult than say word processing. So if you can if you can make a nice word document, you, yep. can, you can make a good blog. Yep, and in the interest of time, if you wanna learn more about WordPress and, and how to run it, YouTube is absolutely packed with videos of tutorials on how to. We're gonna roll into the portion now on, on how you actually make money. Just having a website out there, how does it turn into a paycheck? There's a few methods. The one I'm gonna highlight is AdSense because it's the easiest one to get started with. So AdSense is a product of Google's and it allows you to put ads on your site that are contextually related to the content you're blogging about. So if you've got a recipes blog, it will show ads for recipes. The great part is if people are interested in those and they click on them, you actually get paid for those clicks. So that's one of the first ways you can start making money with your blog. There are other options. There is actually getting businesses in your own town to sponsor an ad spot on your site, or you can go through someone like Amazon and potentially put up affiliate links on your site. But I would recommend if you want to get started, start with AdSense. 
and get more refined at the blogging and then do a little more research on how to make more money. But I personally know people who are making 10 to 20 grand a month easy on their blog from AdSense, but they've built it up over a few years. So don't think this is going to be an overnight success. That's maybe the one in every million. It will be something you need to work at, but this is definitely one of those ways to build yourself a work at home model. There's kind of the nuts and bolts there of getting hosting and getting WordPress and then ultimately using some kind of ad, which AdSense is partnered with Google and there's others as well, that you could start to turn that into money. I just want to highlight the most important thing about blogging is passion. You have to be passionate about it. You can't just write about, you know, anything because that passion will come through in the writing and then that's how you're going to draw your audience and your audience is what's going to turn into a paycheck. So I just want to make sure that that's yeah, focused. People need to need to hear your voice and your work. So make sure it's things you want to write about. That's for sure. So moving on from blogging as a work from home moneymaker, there's mobile apps if you're more technical or something like that. So let's just jump into mobile apps a bit and how can that turn into a work from home paycheck? Mobile apps can be technical. I mean, if you set out to make your own app, there's going to be a lot of money spent on development unless you're already a programmer. So I've decided to focus on the easier version of this, which is there's websites like Chupa Mobile and that is C-H-U-P-A Mobile where programmers have already built apps and you can actually buy a license to use their apps and then you would just change the name and potentially change colors, graphics, whatever within it. But it's actually a pretty simple way to get an app up and online. But then if you've done that a bit, then you bought the app and you've reskinned it or modified it or whatever, how does that turn into a paycheck? So the website itself will do all the work for you. You'll have to have an initial investment to get the app built and launched. Once it's up, you get what's called an AdMob account. And there's a number of these as well, but that's similar to AdSense. That's a place where people are pushing their ads to try to drive people at their apps or their businesses. And by installing this into the code, your ad will pop up through your apps. So I'm sure everybody here has used a mobile app, has experienced an ad coming in at the bottom or across the top or showing up as a full page. That's AdMob related stuff. And every time those get clicked, you get paid. So similar to the blog, by putting the mobile app out there, you can make quite a bit of money on the ads. And if you do it well, this can turn into a considerable amount of money. Once the app's up, push it through your social channels, you know, let people know it's out there, and then you hope that it starts to gain some pickup. If you work at it, it could turn into another source of revenue for you. That's how the mobile app thing would work at its easiest level. Okay, great. Well, we've been talking about part two series for the work from home. So the part one was last week's series and it's available online if you haven't heard it about work from home ideas that turn out to be scams. And today's part two episode is about work from home ideas that could actually turn into a paycheck. We talked about blogging. We talked about mobile apps. We're going to take a short break to mention our sponsor, Refbox. And when we come back, we'll touch on a couple more. Protect your children from the dangerous side of the internet. Introducing the RefBox. The RefBox filters all devices connected to your home network, tablets, Macs, PCs, and more. And there's no software installation needed. Simply plug in the box and your family is protected against adult content, extreme violence, and dangerous phishing sites. Learn more by visiting refbox.ca. That's R-E-F, refbox.ca. RefBox, keep your kids in bounds. Welcome back. Let's move on a little bit to shopping sites and how that could be leveraged to make some money. Yep. So shopping sites is a great way to kind of run your own store from home. There's a great company called Shopify. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y.com. Shopify offers a fully integrated shopping platform where you can go in, put in your products, set your prices, and it has a payment processor built into it. 
because of the way it's set up, again, it requires very little actual web development, if any. The tricky part about the shopping sites is where do you get your products and what are the products you're selling, really. First off, I want to reiterate, in case it was missed earlier, we're not sponsored by anybody throughout this show besides RefBox. So Shopify hasn't endorsed, or we're not endorsing them because they endorsed us or anything like that. This is, comes out of our own experience. And I can highlight personally that I've used Shopify. RefBox also uses Shopify for its own stuff. But I've personally used Shopify, and I was really impressed with their e-commerce website. This is a really great platform to be able to put that product online, put a price on it, and not have to worry about how to develop a website or anything like that or how to process payments like a credit card online or anything like that. They take care of all of it for you at a pretty reasonable rate. I can't praise Shopify enough. They've done a fantastic job. One of the ways that it also works is if you do ever get up to like a storefront, so again, you're Maybe you're doing crafts at home or something and you have friends that come over to see the crafts and they want to buy it and they have a credit card. You can actually process that credit card on your phone and stuff too. You can go right up to storefront level. So Shopify is a pretty great program and a way to make some extra cash. So, you know, I know there's a lot of either craftspeople out there or if you're, you know, baking things and you're selling that or I think you're going to get into maybe if there's other products, like maybe if you're not actually making them, you can get them somewhere like wholesale and then sell it. Let me just say that there's a large portion of the internet, which includes myself, who will go out of our way to find these websites where, you know, we're not interested in buying something that came from somewhere on Amazon or whatever. I'm actually looking for a ma and pa website, which sounds funny, but I would rather support a small business. And I find that the quality of what I get tends to be much higher, especially if these things are being made at home. I know that I get a lot of raw honey things like that online. And some of the biggest ones out there are like wine sites, chocolate sites, all the types of things that work for people. But when it comes to getting your products, either you're making the product or you're going to have to find somebody else to get you a product you can promote. Just remember that when you're setting up a shopping site, make sure that that site is focused. You don't want a site that's trying to be Walmart and have everything. For every shopping site you set it up, you want it to be, we would say in the industry, it's a specific niche. So it's a site about just toy cars or just vegetable dips or, you know, any of those things. And you want to make sure that each one of the ones you have is focused. I actually think this is the easiest model to start. And if you've got even a small network on your Facebook or Twitter, then there's a chance you can actually get some sales in here. That pretty much covers it. And there's plenty of videos again on YouTube that'll help talk to you about the e-commerce process. So feel free to look that up there too. Great. So we've covered blogging, mobile apps, shopping sites. Another big popular one, and I've always been interested in this, is YouTube videos. It's always been interesting to see people that do YouTube videos and video blogging, and all of a sudden they've got you know, hundreds of thousands of subscribers and millions of views on their videos. It's surprising how many people I come across that actually don't realize that there's a revenue behind that, that people can actually make money posting their videos or video blogs on to YouTube. Yeah, there's thousands of people who are making really solid income doing nothing but making YouTube videos all day. There's, in fact, entire communities of them living in like giant warehouses in San Francisco and L.A. and where they're all helping each other, you know, build these what we call vlogs, video blog. They come up with content they can actually put on it. Great examples of people who've been very successful with this model is the good folks at Good Mythical Morning have an amazingly funny show that they do it sort of like a daily morning show there's i'm not actually a fan of his but there's pootie pie pootie pie is one of the more successful guys last year alone he made seven million dollars in ad revenue from the views on his videos he's a young man who's laughing all the way to the bank literally to get more into the process here 
you build a channel on YouTube, it's as simple as signing up for one. And then you come up with an idea for, you know, a video, whether it's you want to talk about, again, kind of like we said with the blog, you want to be passionate about whatever it is if you're going to be a video blogger. So you choose your topic, you make your video. I recommend you have a look at some of the other videos and see their quality. A trick most people use is to edit out all the uhs, ums, and, you know, all of the noises that I make on a frequent basis so that you end up with what appears to be a very solid flow of terms through the video and you somehow keep the videos kind of below a five minute mark because that seems to be the most shareable types. The other option is to take videos of the outdoors, whatever. One of the ones that makes me laugh the most is the ones that they do cat TV where someone literally set up a camera and taped a bird feeder and it turns out cats actually watch those and they get a ton of views because people who have cats put them on for the cats to watch during the day. So again, you never know exactly what might take off, but if you start to get enough views, there's a couple ways you get paid on there. The first way is there's actually a Google AdSense revenue all over YouTube. So Google is the owner of YouTube, so they monetize that site. So whether there's videos playing or people click on ads around the site, that's one way that you make money. The other way that happens, a lot of people don't know this, but once you get to a certain amount of views on your channel, an ad company, some sort of company will come in and say, we would like to sponsor your channel. And they're usually video game companies that could be any number of companies related to what you're talking about. And they'll start offering you a set number of cents per impressions, which means people who've actually seen the video. Those are kind of the two channels you make your money on. And there's not much more to say, and it's pretty easy. Sorry, I'm just going to jump in there. A couple quick things about YouTube. Again, going back to it's not all that different than blogging in some ways, right? So if you're looking for an idea, again, if you're into baking or something like that, you could just do a video about baking rather than blogging about it. It's definitely more difficult, I would think. I mean, unless you really struggle with writing. When you do videos, there's a lot more to consider technically. So when it comes to lighting and the camera and the audio, you want to make sure all that is adequate or that'll hurt your viewership. Big time. And then obviously editing and post to that. Another, I mean, you mentioned Google AdSense as a revenue. One of the things I've noticed for a lot of the kind of homebrew guys that just make a lot of money on YouTube. I've seen a lot of them get sponsored by Audible. I've just noticed that that seems to be going around a lot. So throughout their video, they'll say, we want to highlight Audible. And if you go sign up for Audible using you know, audible.com slash typically it's the YouTube channel. And then they get a little bit of a kickback on that too. So there's a few ways to do it if you're successful, but going back to the blog, I think the most important is passion. Find something you're passionate about and you'll find it will be a lot easier to stick to and you'll find your viewership will be more relatable to you. Yeah. And the audible is actually a great segue into the next one where we're talking about podcasts. So Audible actually sponsors a lot of the people you see on YouTube because those people have a podcast as well. And Audible is an extension of Amazon where you can buy audiobooks. It's pretty much the only way I get to read books anymore while I'm driving is listening to audiobooks in my car. So I'm a big fan of the site. Again, we're not being sponsored by them. But in the case of podcasts, Audible is probably one of the largest sponsors out there for that as well. And based on that, our next topic is podcasting. Podcasting is pretty simple, something you can do from home. And there's people making great livings at it. This is one that I'm going to actually push on Tristan quite a bit. A bit of a confession. When we do most of the recording and everything, Tristan really does all the heavy lifting. I just kind of show up and talk. Tristan being the amazing dude he is kind of takes the rest from there. So Tristan, could you talk a bit about the podcasting process, how hard it was to find your equipment, all that stuff? 
Sure, yeah, and by heavy lifting, you mean more of the technical stuff. When it comes to the discussion boards, it's pretty equal-footed, I would say. Yeah. Certainly on the technical side, when it comes to podcasting or just recording in general, and I mean, this show does get podcasted, but it also does get picked up by some radio stations as well. But when it comes to it, going back again, like the YouTube video, there are some technical stuff. When I was doing research into it, definitely finding good mics. And there's some YouTube videos on it that I was watching about guys that have been successful at it and finding good microphones and good audio equipment and things like that. And it seemed expensive. I mean, we're in an office right now, so we had to worry about sound like echo and stuff like that. All the equipment all together including the recording device, a couple mics and a stand and what's called a uh, porta booth. So some styrofoam boxes that go around the microphones to prevent echo and stuff. I think all said and done was less than $2,000. And some people might think that that's expensive. I actually thought it was surprisingly cheap. And when I talked to anybody professionally, they're thinking, wow, to get basically a studio with two people for less than $2,000 is a steal. Like, you know, go back three, four, five years ago, you would never <laughs> be able to get that kind of quality for that kind of money. Probably the most important thing was the mic. Everyone said spend the money on the mic. And I did go through a few mics when I was doing the tests. And I definitely noticed a difference when you bought the higher quality mics. So if you are thinking about doing podcasts or any form of audio recording, the microphone, as far as I'm concerned, was one of the most important factors. Now, as far as choosing topics and that goes, I've heard people where I'm talking with them and they're just fascinating. And I tell them, like, have you considered doing a podcast? And the people are like, oh, I don't know if I'd have anything to talk about and blah, blah, blah. And again, a podcast is really whatever you want to talk about. You and I are both kind of into the tech world. I'm a geek. You're a techie. So this is a really easy podcast for us because we're both always kind of talking about what we already know. And that's, I guess, the kind of program you'd be looking for. Some of the ideas that I come out of when I say, hey, Rob, we should talk about this comes out of going to a social event and I'm talking with people and you just notice, you know, when you're maybe talking one on one and that person's very captivated by whatever the conversation is or just in a group of people, you're starting to see more people get drawn in and more conversations and could be a heated conversation, maybe a debate or just something that people are passionate about or it could be informational. So they're just really interested in, you know, Tristan, what do you do for a living? And what about this? And what about that? And anyways, just out of those conversations, sometimes I just think, wow, you can see the captivation either by that individual or group of people and you think that could be easy to throw into a podcast. I don't sit at home at night, you know, thinking, oh, what am I going to talk about tomorrow on the podcast? If it comes naturally to you in other discussions, that'll come through in the podcast as well. There's another way you can do it easily too, which is if I lived in a small town and I was looking to start a podcast, I might just start interviewing everybody in the town because uh, it'd probably be very easy to get uh, local businesses to sponsor the podcast. And if it's a small town and you know small towns like I do, everybody in town will be listening every time someone's talking because they're looking to find it if they're going to say anything about them and if they're going to say anything interesting about themselves. There's a lot of great easy ways to come up with it. It's more just about getting it delivered. And the part that I'm actually can't wrap my head around is the editing. Do you find editing is hard or? Again, blogging, so like actual text blogging versus video blogging versus podcasting, they're all along the same flavor of expressing your opinion or experience, having a dialogue with somebody, something like that. But as I highlighted with the YouTube videos and also with podcasting, there is an editing component. Unless you're very, very good at it, I don't think most people will post those raw. They'll edit it. I did struggle a little bit with the editing. I mean, I do have some background in audio engineering, and obviously I'm technical. I just found it more time-consuming than I had time for. And so I ultimately found a studio that does it, and it's roughly 100 bucks a podcast. And it all depends on the studios and the quality and things like that. But I eventually found a studio through some family that was more than willing to say that I just give them the raw files. And then in a couple of days, they turn around and say, here's your podcast. I mean, if you just want to do it on the cheap and do it at home, then 
there's definitely some free software out there or even some inexpensive software that all in all wasn't too hard to learn and if you wanted to learn it, I just watched YouTube videos or other tutorials and you got into the swing of it pretty quickly. Yeah, and to be fair, there are actually a lot of successful podcasts that are not highly produced and not refined. You know, don't think based on the pricing you hear, this is something that you should just not do. No. Because if I was in your shoes, I would just start start recording, start putting it out there. And if you start getting attention for it, upgrade as you go. We got to start wrapping up, but the equipment is one factor. Editing is another factor. Obviously, a topic. One of the most important things about podcasting is the frequency. Make sure you do it on a very regular basis. And I think that's the same for blogging or YouTube videos. But do, yeah. yeah, keep the frequency up. Don't just do it once, you know, once a month and then do it like every day for a week or something and then do it, go back to doing once a month or whatever. Try to keep it as regular as possible. That will keep your viewership coming back. And the other thing about podcasting is the delivery system. And I actually did struggle a little bit trying to find a easy to use delivery system. There's a bunch of different ones. Um, I ultimately went to SoundCloud and that was through a lot of research and a lot of struggle. I didn't really want to use SoundCloud to begin with for different reasons, but I've come to appreciate their platform quite a bit and you can actually start launching your podcasts on SoundCloud for free and they do tie into Apple's iTunes and stuff. So you can actually post your audio file on SoundCloud and then they can take it from there and post it to to Apple iTunes so that anybody that has an iPod or iPhone or whatever and listens to podcasts through Apple would also see your channel. So this the delivery, the editing and the equipment, but out of all of those the blogging, the YouTube videos and the podcasting You'd make money either through ads or sponsorships. And I can't say it enough, like passion's the most important part. Make sure that whatever you're talking about, you're passionate about. And one final note on that, you need to make sure that if you're doing it, you're also promoting it through social channels. Um, Your audience is going to want to be able to communicate with you. So make sure you're doing the Facebook, make sure you're doing the Twitter, make sure you're doing the Instagram and et cetera. But that's it. That's, That's about all you need to know on that. So this is uh, part two of the work from home series. Part one was talking about the work from home ideas that actually turn out to be scams and and, uh, you would actually be losing money on a lot of them. And today's part two episode is more about ideas that I could actually turn into some extra income for you. And for some people, it turns into a lot of income. For some people, it turns into just a little bit of extra on the side. But to recap, we talked about blogging and we've talked about kind of three forms of blogging. I'm going to kind of put them into one category. So there's written blogs, which I personally think is the easiest because you don't have to worry about too much technical stuff there. And then there there's video blogs, which I think is the most complicated because of all the editing and equipment. And then there's the happy in the middle, which is the podcasting. So all three of those are about blogging and picking a topic or a conversation or whatever and just having that opinion and getting it out there. Other ways is uh, either through mobile apps or shopping sites. And especially for people that are crafty or do yard sales or whatever like that, anything that you can get a product and you want to put it online and sell it and make some extra money, shopping sites is a pretty great idea as well. And the reality of what we've covered here is there is no such thing as... Um like a press a button and make a bunch of money model. All of these will require work. So if you see anything online that says that you could be making $4,000 a week starting tomorrow, I guarantee you it's a scam. So as always, you know, just don't trust anything. <laughs> yeah. But if anybody is thinking about, you know, say doing blogging or shopping sites and is a little intimidated by the technical, you know, we've mentioned some of the guys that were in there. And like we said before, it's not sponsored mentions. It, it's from our own experience, say like Shopify for a shopping site. They just have a really great platform and uh, you don't have to be very technical to know how to use it. And, and so don't let the technical barrier be enough for you to not consider it because it could be easier than you thought. Yep. And if you have any topics for any future shows you'd like to hear about or see, please hit us at our social channels. We're on Twitter at The Ref Box, and you can find us at The Ref Box on Facebook as well. 
we'd be happy to take a look at uh, each of your suggestions and see what we can do with them. Yeah, for sure. All right. You've been listening to Rob and Tristan talk about different ideas for work from home. And stay tuned next week for our next topic. Have a good night.